Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside. Hey, you, you want to? What, what, what are you trying to do here? You're trying to like, you trying to cough all over the, the intro, or what? What's, what's, what are you trying to do? Let me do that again. <laughs> Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside one of the voices of Bucks Radio and good friend of mine, Justin Garcia, who, this is take two of the intro, I just want to make that clear because <laughs> as soon as I started, he decided he just wanted to start clearing his voice all over the intro and, and we know that this has to be perfect, but welcome back, my friend. Well, I'm, I'm used to uh, being back into, you know, the old swing of things and having a cough button in front of me, so <laughs> okay. just slip my mind. Well, we are... Uh, we've had a couple of games back now, and you've been back broadcasting from Fiserv Forum. I want to touch on that in just a little bit. We went through with Frank post game yesterday a lot from this Rockets game, and and I, you know it was such a fascinating game for a, a bunch of reasons. I think what we quickly discovered, as much as we talk about the fact that these seeding games, even though there's not much seeding to really happen for the Bucks, don't mean a lot and health is the main thing. Once you get into a, a grinded out game in the fourth quarter against a team that, uh, you know, is, is really a rival and, and both teams, the Celtics and the Rockets, have been that, uh, I think you start to feel, you get the juices flowing a little bit. You feel a bit of emotion. How did you handle the fourth quarter over the first two games? Because it's uh, a couple of close contests, which again, we're not used to seeing this from the Bucks really. Yeah, both of those were nice in that regard where, you know, you have uh, one of the top three teams in the East, potentially one of the top three teams in the West. And um, just going back to not just the Bucks, but everybody that's involved in the restart and watching the basketball the first few days, I think the thing that struck you the most is like, wow, this this is these have been really good games. Holy cow. And then, then you kind of realize like, oh, you know what? It's probably because the eight worst teams are not involved in this. Yeah, I mean, there's been a couple of games, I must admit, that I look on the schedule and say, okay, I'm not watching that. This morning, Brooklyn and Washington was certainly one of those. And we're going to get to the Bucks and the Nets in a little bit here. Obviously, that's the next up game, 12.30 start. So I'm sure by the time a lot of people are listening to this, tip-off is just a few hours away. The big news is, and the Bucks didn't practice, uh, that practice got uh, cancelled just a few hours before we got the notification through that they weren't going to be practicing. Again, uh, nothing strange about that for the Bucks. We get pretty used to getting those text messages through the season. So I sort of half woke up, saw that, said, okay, rolled back over, went to sleep, didn't think about it too much. But the good news from a Bucks perspective, if you look at the injury report, and obviously without speaking to the team, we don't have any confirmation yet. But as far as the injury report shows for the Bucks. No Eric Bledsoe and no Pat Connaughton on that injury report, which means we might be about to finally see our first action from those two in this game against Brooklyn, which would certainly be 
a great sight to see because I think as Frank and I have spoke through a little bit, you really felt the loss of Eric Bledsoe when it comes to shot creation, ball handling, ball security over these last two games, and in particular the game against Houston. The only player of note that is on the injury report is Wesley Matthews with right calf soreness. My suspicion is that he got that right, right calf soreness from James Harden kicking him in the back of the calf and trying to draw a foul. What do you think about that? Probably. Um, <laughs> and uh, Yeah, I mean, you, I think the absence of Bledsoe, and um, you, you touched on this already, it was more noticeable in that Rockets game just because of that backcourt. And, uh, you know, I understand the Celtics have Kemba Walker and some good wing players as well, but uh, that duo of Russell Westbrook and James Harden and the you know success we've seen with them throwing different waves of defenders, whether it's Wesley Matthews or Eric Bledsoe and whoever it is, um, you really notice that and you really noticed, and granted, it's it's not like it's going to be like this all the time. It's just because of the absences you had in Bledsoe and Connaughton, but you, you really noticed a severe lack of depth in the backcourt for the Bucks in that game against the Rockets. Yeah, I mean, I think going back to the start of the season, this was something that we discussed and had uh, some concern about, basically just with the age of Eric Bledsoe and George Schill. Now, uh, they've both been largely healthy throughout the season and played yeah, fantastic basketball. Uh, of course, we didn't expect something like the coronavirus to impact Eric Bledsoe's availability in a game. But let's talk about Dante a little bit because... There's been absences through the season. Bledsoe, obviously, Chris Middleton as well. And Dante's been the guy that has come into the starting lineup uh, throughout and done a fantastic job. Now, I I will say the starting group, the other four guys, Middleton, Giannis, Lopez, and Matthews have been so dominant defensively and with Giannis on the floor that the numbers have been fine and they've been able to get through and win the majority of games. And you can still throw the ball to Chris Milton as a ball handler. You can give the ball to Giannis in those situations. But we saw in the Houston game that Dante DiVincenzo, for mine, was probably asked to do a little bit more of that creating than we've seen before in the past. And I had a look at his uses percentage just for this game yesterday because he did have five turnovers, only one assist in his 23 minutes. He struggled from three, but we'll focus on the turnovers for now. 25.8% usage yesterday that was only behind Brooke Giannis and Chris on the team that might not surprise you the fact that he was behind only those three but the 25.8 percent is well up on his season average uh, usage percentage of 17.1 and it was even well up on the percentage against Boston which was 15.6 so it did feel in stretches through this game that Dante was whether it was by him sort of pressing and trying to find his rhythm and trying to find his groove, which is, which is totally fine. I mean, this is what these games are for, for the Bucks, or whether it was simply that lack of another option, it was pretty glaring. And, and at times, he was, he was just kind of wild and all over the place, which we, we haven't always seen from him. Yeah, and I, you know, I think one of the stories of the game, and uh, people will apply this the most to Dante and to Sterling Brown, which you know, is fine because in fairness, I think those were the two that stood out the most in this regard. But what, what really struck you, and it started to happen early in the game, you know, you think back to the first and second quarter where Chris hits his first six shots and you, you glance up and you look at some of the numbers and you realize 35 combined points from Giannis and the Bucks were at probably like 49 points in the game and it's just Giannis and Chris doing that. And then Brooks starts to uh, get into the mix as well. And you keep looking over and realize – nobody else on this team has more than four points. It's just these three that are doing everything. And unfortunately, that was kind of the trend throughout the game is even uh, it, it, the final box, I don't believe anybody else reached double figures. I think the next high score was nine. 
So it was just kind of a problem. I'm not sure, as you brought up, if it was, you know, part of the game plan and if it was instruction or if it was just Dante saying, which he should do if this is the case, saying, it looks like this is an opportunity for me and this is a spot, so I'm going to take it. Unfortunately, it just, you know, didn't work out that uh, on both ends of the floor, it wasn't a particularly good game for Dante. And, you know, that was one of the questions I had going in too, is you knew just based off what we had seen in previous matchups that with no Bledsoe especially, that Wesley Matthews is going to probably be on James Harden the entire game. And, you know, where does that leave Dante DiVincenzo in some of these matchups? Because everything else that Houston had, and yeah, I, I realize it's a small ball team now with nobody over, what, six foot six, but nobody else on the floor for the Rockets really seemed like it was a good matchup for Dante defensively. All right, Justin, let's talk about our new sponsors on the podcast, CBDND. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair, everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDND have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets a little chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant Cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube, CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. To make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else, CBD MD has to offer. They're offering all their listeners 25% off and your next order when you use the promo code MBA at the checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com. Promo code MBA, and you'll get 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBD MD. Yeah, and we, we heard a lot of this from the team from the players post game, and it was certainly certainly a source of frustration for Bucks fans in regards to the three point shots. So we spoke about this a lot on yesterday's pod. We don't need to go over it again, but without doubt the plan or the goal was to say, well, okay, uh, whether it's it's Wesley Matthews on James Harden, and as Frank sort of pointed to yesterday, Giannis, a lot of the times on Russell Westbrook, yeah. the other guys, you are here to help <laughs> and to show as many bodies as you can at those two and make sure the ball doesn't end up in their hands for a shot uh, close to the basket. And, you know, ultimately they lose the game. But if that was the plan, then I guess it's hard to disagree with by that, it didn't work. And like I sort of pointed to the Rockets overall only shoot 34%. A lot of those were wide open threes. The Bucks will argue that a lot of those threes were going to guys that they wanted to shoot the ball. So but that's the only thing that I will push back a little bit on people saying that Bud didn't change the defensive scheme because maybe they're looking at the numbers and saying, okay, this is the plan and this is what we wanted to happen. So at the moment, there's no reason to change. Now, I certainly 100% understand where the anxiety comes in regard to Bud because there's certainly been the stigma that he will refuse to adjust and refuse to make changes. We'll see what happens there. But yeah, I mean, defensively, I I thought they were okay. Again, it it came back to uh, what we saw on the other end. And, you know, unfortunately, Chris Milton was another one of those guys. But for Dante, I I just, to get back to him, I, I do think that he is going to be someone that's going to benefit greatly from going back to the second unit where the things that he does well, particularly providing energy in those second unit lineups, I think stands out a little bit more than it does in the starting uh, lineup that ultimately 
regardless of who's been that fifth starter, has been dominant no matter what. That and, um, like, generating his own shot because if yeah. he's going to be coming off, you know, the bench and part of the second unit, you're going to need that from him, that you need the one guy that's going to initiate the offense, especially if it's stretches where Giannis and or Chris is on the floor. So I, I would agree that I think, um, you know, and, you know, you think back throughout the year, it seems like the big Dante games and the moments where um, whether it's us or the fans or whoever it is, where he just seems to capture the heart of everyone are the games where he was coming off the bench. I know he played well when he was put in the starting lineup because of injuries earlier in the year, but it seems like that's where he's at his best. And that's the role that's perfect for him with this group. So let's talk about lineups a little bit. One of the other, talking points that's came out of the first two games has been some of the all bench lineups that we've seen. And there's been some strange ones, probably none more odd than the Giannis DJ. uh, Who was it? Marvin Williams, Kyle Corver, Sterling Brown. I think it was maybe George Hill. So I spent some time just looking through lineups. And again, we always talk about this looking at five man lineups over a one game situation or a two game situation is you know, it's largely futile, I mean, because the, the sample size is so low, the minutes are so low. But when I look at the starters, and again, you talk about the Bucks one-on-one, obviously, number of factors that went into them losing the game against Houston. And for mine, a lot of correctable factors that went into them losing the game. I don't think there was anything to go into full-scale panic about. But the starters, and remember, this is obviously without Eric Bledsoe, played 24 minutes together over the two games. Offensive rating of 142. Defensive rating of 98 for a net rating of plus 44 in the two games. And I do feel like this checks out because in both games against Boston and Houston, things started to turn once the subs came in. But as far as starting the games well, both at the the first and second half, the starters, the numbers will tell you, they've been absolutely insane. Yeah, and well, the, the Celtics game in particular, yeah. when the starters were on the floor, I mean, there was a couple of stretches. It happened in the fourth quarter, and it happened uh, obviously early in the game too, where with those starters, uh, there were a, a couple moments where it was almost like the Bucks just said, okay, you're not going to score, where for the next five minutes we're dialed in here, and you saw the struggles that the Celtics had. And, you know, offensively, you notice that too, whereas, as you pointed to, um, the real issues for this team have usually been in the second quarter and against the Rockets, it was the fourth quarter as well. But the second quarter was the huge problem issue against the Celtics. We started to see it again late in the first and into the second against the Rockets. And that was when we started to see more uh, reserves come in and the total bench units. I've, you know, just been most struck by, uh, again, we've seen the stretches of defense from the Bucks in these two games, but uh, offensively, Every team in the league, for where they're at in this restart, two to three games in for all these teams, and where the offense has been is light years ahead of what I anticipated as it be. Because I don't know about you, but I was kind of expecting these could be some ugly games early on until you get towards the end of this restart and into the playoffs that you you didn't necessarily have a lot of time together as a team. And you had some guys that we're maybe away from a basketball court for a while that this could be, you know, pretty sluggish, but I think overall shooting percentages, the league average is up from where it was during the regular season average, albeit just two or three games, but we're seeing offense pick up right 
where it left off, and it's the defense that we're seeing more issues with league-wide. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And just a couple of other lineups that basically confirm exactly what we're talking about here. We've got Giannis surrounded by Corville, Robin Lopez, George Hill, and Sterling Brown. A net rating of minus fifty-two point nine in in only six minutes, but that's a that that was a pretty devastating lineup. And the other really bad one was Corva, Ilyasova, Robin Lopez, George Hill, Sterling Brown, minus thirty-seven in the same period. So those two lineups basically all bench. One of them had Giannis in there. There is a common factor there. Sterling Brown, unfortunately, has had a pretty rough start to the season restart here. But again, and we always talk about how deep the Bucks are, but you're only deep until you lose a couple of key players. And they got Marvin Williams back yesterday. Obviously, we expect him to figure in the rotation. But, you know, Bledsoe and Pat Connor are the two really, really important guys. And we know Bud is going to just try different things, throw bench lineups out there. He's done it all season. We hope that the minutes actually creep up as we get towards the playoffs. And that would be the only one thing I would say. We actually have seen Giannis and Chris the last two games play above their season average. So, when people talk yeah. about hoping to see Giannis get up to 38, 39, 40 minutes in the postseason, uh, that would suggest that in games where Bud is trying to win the game, trying to compete against other playoff contenders, that will be the case. The only thing I'll say about the shooting that you mentioned, I would agree. I mean, the Bucks, if you, if you look at the scoring uh, purely on its own, 119 points and 116, they're not having any trouble putting the ball in the bucket. But 31% from three against yeah. the Celtics, 25% from three against the Rockets. We've spoke about this coming in, about their three-point shooting a lot. You would like to see some of the other guys start to knock down some threes, particularly some of those guys that are going to be in that second unit. Yeah, I mean, you know, at this point, it's no surprise because that's essentially what the Bucks have been yeah. all season in the middle of the pack for three-point shooting. So it, you know, the, the games where we see it uh, really go off are where uh, Chris goes off and where George has a big game and then it just starts to get infectious. The The most encouraging part has been uh, Brooke Lopez and what he has done, whether it's the scrimmage games or um, these two games that they played in, because, you know, it's been noticeable that Brooke's offense has been much better, not that it was poor, but much better uh, than it was throughout the regular season. So that's the encouraging thing. Uh, um, and, you know, just to go back to the Sterling Brown thing, I was kind of disappointed because, it, it, you know, we've seen him get the opportunities in these two games, and you would have thought of any game on the schedule if there is one where this is your chance and this is one of the ideal matchup and game scenarios for you to do something and take advantage here, it's against the Rockets because the way that Sterling plays, we've talked about before, his rebounding ability and how – He's a guard that plays, in, and Bud has said this a lot, plays bigger than he actually is. And, you know, going up against a lineup of basically five, six-foot-six guys, you would think is an ideal matchup here for Sterling Brown that he's kind of in his element to go up against guys like P.J. Tucker. Um, so that was disappointing to see that the results just weren't there in a, a matchup that you would have thought would be ideal for him. All right, Justin, it's time to talk about my bookie because say it with me now, sports are back. I've been waiting for this day since March, and now that it's here, it's making everything easier. We're able to podcast about games that are happening right now. And the one thing that is on my mind is my bookie. My bookie is a home run, slam dunk, triple overtime, game-winning shot, all wrapped up into one. I love it. You love it. And that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. My bookie has up-to-the-minute odds of all your favorite teams, whether it's the Bucks, the Brewers, hopefully the Packers in the near future. 
With the start of Major League Baseball here, there's never been a better time to start playing. With MyBookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Join today and MyBookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA and they'll match your deposit 100% and toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what role he plays. I think most people are expecting that he won't be in the rotation so much once things get going here. Let's talk about the Nets game a little bit. Brooklyn right now, uh, as I said, I mean, they're just absolutely decimated right now. And, uh, and it's kind of interesting because we do need to have a look at what they're doing and what Orlando's doing and what Washington are doing because I think it's two weeks today or by the time this podcast is released, two weeks yesterday until the start of the first round, which is kind of insane to think about only six games left of seeding play and then the playoffs begin already. I, I can't even really wrap my head around that. But the Bucks are going to be playing Orlando, Brooklyn, or Washington. Uh, right now, I, I think the Wizards are right on the verge of being eliminated. So for the purpose yeah. of this, let's just straight up say it's going to be the Magic or the Nets. There's half a game between them right now. Orlando actually on a five-game winning streak, but they did lose Jonathan Isaac yesterday to an ACL tear. Clearly not a player they can afford to lose. But this is, let's be honest, this is a game that... You look at the teams on paper, you look at the injury report for Brooklyn, and you expect the Bucs are going to win this one big. Jared Allen is out. Now they've got rest there. I guess they're playing three games in four days, and I suspect we'll see a little bit of that around the league. Jamal Crawford is questionable due to conditioning. Joe Harris is out with right hamstring. Karis LeVert is also out with a left thigh contusion. We know all the guys Brooklyn already have out. I don't even know who the hell is going to suit up for them tomorrow. Maybe Sean Marks. I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I'm not so much looking forward to this one. Um, <laughs> well, it's 3.30 for me, know. so I, I, I'm telling you, I'm not exactly <laughs> thrilled about it either. Um, yeah, you know, the whole – so I, I think it's, it's going to be Brooklyn that finishes eighth that I think both the Nets and the Magic are going to tread water from here on out, basically. Um, and yeah, I mean, base if if the Bucks want to make sure it's the Brooklyn Nets, you punt the game tomorrow or whenever it is you're listening to this, and that basically eliminates Washington because uh, the Wizards are what seven and a half back of the Nets now <laughs> with five games left in this restart, and you got to get to within four. I mean, it's going to be not the greatest look here for the league that they wanted to test something out, and look, we're going to get it in the Western Conference yep. now. It's, it's pretty evident. Um, but in the East, I mean, you only invite one team into the bubble outside of the playoff teams because of the records here. And the Wizards are going to end up finishing below the Charlotte Hornets in terms of behind Brooklyn for that eighth spot in the East. Yes, and again, this is probably why, without getting ahead of ourselves, this is probably why we say that the first round we expect the Bucks are going to be able to continue to round themselves into full form because regardless of who they play, they're going to be playing a, you know, a pretty decimated opposition in the first round. As far as the Bucks go, like I said, only Wesley Matthews on the injury report. So at this stage, it looks like all the other guys are going to play. I do think that it is important, regardless of opposition, for the Bucs to continue to work on things, particularly on a performance after yesterday. So what you're looking for is improved three-point shooting, uh, certainly better 
care of the ball. That's been an issue in the Boston game and the Houston game. But is there anything else that you want to see now? Of course, if Eric Bledsoe plays, uh, him just being back out on the floor is obviously another huge positive. Uh, those two things and then uh, and the, the injury report would seem to indicate this is how they're going to handle it. I was um, of the mindset that, you know, these final six games, so following the loss to the Rockets, that uh, the Bucks are going to end up clinching the top seed in the Eastern Conference after they beat the Nets. But uh, I was of the mindset that these final six games, you know, you can't treat them like you did the last – 15, 20 games last year where we would see Giannis miss, you know, every other game or more than that in some instances and, and starting to rest some of your regulars and not just Giannis missing time, but the, the you know, Chris, we saw miss in, in the starters and you start to see more like Bonzi Colson and Tim Frazier playing a lot more. I don't think you can do that in these six games because of what you brought up in that, you know, you get through the seeding games and then it's going to be either the magic or, or in all likelihood, the Brooklyn Nets that you're playing in the first round of the playoffs and, you know, for as much as we saw the Bucks treat the Pistons like a ragdoll last year, um, neither of these two teams are on the same level as the Pistons were last year. And I think the Bucks are better than they were a season ago. So it's, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves and take anything away from the opponent, but it's going to be a massive mismatch and a laughable series that they have in the first round that, you know, if you take your foot off the gas a bit and say, we don't want to risk injury or we just want to keep guys fresh and we're going to limit playing time or sit guys in these final, whatever it is, once you get past Brooklyn, uh, you know, four or five games or so, you're running the risk then of effectively giving your guys the final week and a half of seating off, having a first round series where you're not going to be tested at all. And then, it, you know, it looks like you're probably going to get Miami in the second round and they will have had to have gone through Indiana or Philadelphia or, you know, who knows, maybe Boston slips to four and uh, they're going to be challenged much more than you will that then you run the risk of you got to go from zero to 60 here where Miami's already on the freeway and you're just getting onto the on-ramp. So because of that, I think Bud has to treat this like we haven't clinched anything and guys aren't going to sit and we got to keep playing here because we know what that first round is going to present to us. Yeah, and, and that's why I thought I've actually found that these two games, regardless of you know the fact they lose to Houston, I thought it's been really fantastic for this team to come up against two teams that were really desperate to win, two teams that were really competing. Because this game against Brooklyn, uh, yeah, as we said, it's good to get a run in. It's good to work through some through some things and get back some key players. But ultimately, you're not going to have the the competitiveness and the competition that you're going to see from a Houston, from a Boston, and from a Miami, Dallas, and Toronto team that they've got in the next three games after this. If we project forward next week, uh, they have a Monday night game against Toronto, then Tuesday against Washington. Washington, that game might be the one on the back-to-back where you see some guys rest, I think, with one game uh, to follow against Memphis before the playoffs begin. But I I totally agree. I I think that this competitive basketball that they've been able to play is going to put them in really good shape because they need that. They absolutely need that. With not a lot to play for, you need to be coming up against teams that, A, you might see in the postseason, and B, uh, desperately need to win, which a lot of these teams do. And what we've seen from the other contenders, uh, everyone's going hell for leather here. Everyone's trying to win these games. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing that uh, makes that potentially interesting is I think we all kind of assumed, like, okay, you'll see some rest in that back-to-back just because that's what we're accustomed to seeing. 
but who knows because you know a lot of that built-in aspect of of the rest and you know load management is travel and these guys are have to be in an ideal scenario outside of being cooped up in a, a hotel complex and hotel room but there's no travel for two and a half three months for them and, and that's you know so much of it when we talk about resting and giving time off to recover it's because you're getting on an airplane at two in the morning and then arriving and getting, you know, little, little rest or, you know, sleeping into the afternoon and then getting on with your routine, all that's gone. So, you know, who knows, maybe we don't see rest in a back-to-back now. All right. That's that game, by the way, 1230. It's an early tip. So don't, uh, I don't know. Don't miss that one. 230, uh, 1230 tip on a, what day is this? Tuesday? It'll be a Tuesday, 1230 on Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty unfamiliar time for the Bucks to be playing so don't miss that but you will be able to catch if you don't watch it on TV you'll be able to catch Justin and Ted Davis on the Bucks radio network and before we wrap this up I have to ask you because I was shocked to see some photos Marcus Johnson tweeted a photo that he was broadcasting the game in the locker room I originally thought that these games might be in your usual broadcast positions and maybe the game would be on the Jumbotron I was kind of surprised with the setup where are you doing radio from and and how has this experience been through two games yeah, we, um, we thought the same, and it wasn't until uh, a couple days before Friday's game against the Celtics that our engineer, uh, Ryan, had been there at the arena with a couple of uh, Bucks personnel. They used the, the scrimmage games to test a lot of the equipment out and the feeds that they're getting from the bubble to make sure that everything's working. That A couple of days before that uh, Celtics game, he sent us – pictures of the setup and told us oh by the way here's where we're located um so we went in thinking we'd be in the broadcast booth and we'd be watching you know on the scoreboard or or jumbotron and uh, we're actually so all of us radio and tv are within the locker room so um we're zora and steve novak will do their um, pre-game and uh, post-game and, and everything that they do throughout the broadcast. They're actually set up in the interview room where Bud will address the media before and after games. So they're sitting at the same table that Bud typically does, and they have some monitors in front of them. And uh, that's where they're doing all their hits from. I think, based on what I saw, I think uh, Craig Kishon is doing it from – he's the only one that's unaffected where he's doing his part – from that uh, same level where radio was, that perch that looked down onto the court. So he's still there. Zora and Steve are, are there in the interview room. Jim and Marcus are doing it uh, from literally within the Bucks locker room <laughs> and just have monitors in front of them that they're looking at. And then uh, me, Ted, and our engineer, Ryan, we're in between the two of them. So we're in a conference room that the coaches use that's just you know in between those two down a hallway between the media room and the locker room. And, and uh, you know, we have um, – so we each have a monitor to look at that just sends us a straight feed from uh, Orlando. I mean, the, the biggest issue that you have to get used to is it's just a raw feed that they're giving us. So we don't see time on the clock. We don't see scores if you're looking at that. We have another monitor that's on the wall that's four different screens. That one is the actual TV broadcast – uh, one is just a camera that's positioned to only um, shoot the shot clock. And then there's a few other alternate angles that we have looks at where we can see, um, you know, for uh, one, actually, I believe we get some of the replays whenever they challenge something too. And then one is just an alternate camera angle. So we have, you know, everything you can imagine. It's just, 
getting used to having to look on your computer monitor to see what the score is or how much time is left <laughs> in a game. And then, um, you know, the, I mean, the nice thing about these games at home is just the abundance of information that you have where the Bucks media crew um, will bring you, you know, stat sheets and everything else at every timeout and quarter. So you get used to that. That's gone, but they did set us up to uh, tap into the system that the NBA uses for real-time stats. So we can still track, you know, points and uh, quarter points. And there's a neat feed too that basically alerts you to any time there's a milestone or, hey, by the way, the Rockets have just scored the last nine points and they're all on three-pointers and it was in 33 seconds and things like that that will pop up throughout the game. But it's still an adjustment to, like, figure out you're so used to looking at the stat sheets that we get and now you're looking at something completely different that you're trying to figure out where would I usually find this or where did they list the rebounding percentage or where are they showing points in the paint here or where do I find timeout? So it feels like every few minutes you're looking and then – you just get accustomed to what you're used to and then you just like keep bouncing around and, and trying to find what it is you're looking for. So it'll probably take 10 games just to get used to everything. Yeah, that's completely wild. Uh, as I said, I, I've taken a, a keen interest and to, I, I've streamed the last couple of games so I haven't listened to a local broadcast, but certainly tomorrow's game I will be doing that. So it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. But like I said, do not forget this tip, 12.30 p.m. 3.30 a.m. for me, so please have me in your thoughts. I actually uh, I feel like I'm living in Europe right now because uh, we know our European, European friends, and we, I know we have some listeners that live out that way. I mean, they do this all the time. They're up at 2 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. watching Bucks games, and, and honestly, I never really have anything to complain about. Most of the time, it's in the middle of the morning or through the day, and uh, everything's locked down here anyway, so everyone's working from home, so I can... Uh, I can just chuck the game on and it's it's pretty damn convenient. But uh, shout out to those guys in Europe who do it through the middle of the night because it's pretty ridiculous. It, you know, and it feels like um, when you're watching these games, kind of like a hybrid of, I feel like I'm, at times I feel like I'm watching a video game. At times I feel like I'm watching Summer League. At times I feel like I'm watching a FIBA tournament just because <laughs> it's still very jarring to not see anybody on the baseline or any fan sitting courtside, which I actually welcome and like. Um, and that was kind of the weirdest thing too about the broadcast is I, I told you before we started, you know, you knew coming in, this is going to be weird. And uh, initially, as soon as we hit the air, it was kind of weird. But then, so Friday night against the Celtics, um, they piped in Eric Jensen doing the PA intros where they just took an old introduction that he had done for a Bucks home game and played it there in the arena where you start to hear Eric Jensen's usual intros for the Bucks starting five and the music that they're using, all of the um, you know, arena sounds and actual songs from each team's home arena. So you start to hear the same songs over and over again you're sitting there watching it on the monitor and hearing all these familiar sounds and you think it's normal. And then all of a sudden, you know, you go to timeout or something and uh, you look away and then you realize this is not normal. I'm sitting in a conference room right now with three computer, computer monitors on the table. And yeah, I'm not actually, uh, you know, it's not looking out into a sellout crowd and hearing all these things that my mind kind of tricked me into believing was happening. Well, I'm just glad that you're back at work. I'm glad that the broadcasts are back on our TVs and we have something to watch. And I'm pleased that despite being busy back in the full swing of basketball season, although it's a little bit different, 
I'm glad you've still got time to hang out with me and uh, talk a little bit of Bucks basketball. Anytime. I, I needed the refresher on when to clear my throat too, so it's already paying dividends. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you tried to sabotage this pod right from the start, but we managed to get through. Anyway, Bucks and Nets tomorrow. Frank is going to be back. I have no idea what time we're going to be podcasting. You should probably just expect that one to be uh, sort of a, a midnight overnight release as it usually is. I don't think Frank's going to be able to pod directly after that game. I'll probably be going back to sleep anyway, but we are going to have a post-game pod and run through everything that happens with Bucks and Nets, so keep an eye out for that one. In the meantime, enjoy Tuesday afternoon basketball, and we'll speak to you tomorrow.